Happy Wednesday, Unwoke Nation, and I'd like to welcome you to episode 13 of The Unwoke Show, where free speech are welcome, all subjects are on the table, and your boys bring the latest stories raw and uncut every Wednesday for you for your enjoyment, baby. I am your co-host, Rich, along with my boy, uh, Tim. How you doing, Tim? I'm doing well, Rich. Awesome, man. Awesome. Glad we are glad to be back here for another Wednesday, guys. Hey, once again, guys, I want to thank you for being a part of the show. Make sure to like, subscribe, let people know about the show. If you are loving the Unwoke Nation and you like the topics we are bringing up, and remember, guys, you know, we're also here to hear from topics from you. So definitely give us your feedback at feedback at unwokedtheshow.com. That's feedback at unwokedtheshow.com. We'd love to hear any topics you guys might want to have. As I said before last week, and you know, all, we do this show for you. We want to be able to hear from you guys, and you know, also we love having you here. And uh, we're definitely excited for each and every Wednesday we're to tell you about today, uh, about tonight's episode. And a quick shout out to our international community of listeners and stuff. Thank you so much for tuning in. We really appreciate it. And tonight uh, we're kicking things off with uh, politics, Rich. We are officially in uh, an election year Yeah, here in the the United States. It's time to uh, either reelect the existing president joe biden or elect uh new leadership um you know there's several candidates already out there we've got a few more they're throwing their hats into the ring in the next uh week or so so i thought it only fitting that uh we talk about america's two-party system and what i mean by that is we have a two-party system and have we outgrown it yeah yeah, and that, and I think that's a question that has been on people's minds, uh, probably uh, for a long time, but all. But I think it's become a little bit more prevalent uh, as of recently, especially in the last two elections of people asking questions of, you know, I, I understand this party and I understand that part, but you know, where do I line up? And you know, why can't we have another choice? And also, but Tim's got some really great uh, information for you guys, where to really kind of get you thinking and. And stuff like that. Why you know we feel that you know we there's a lot more people really growing in popularity about this uh, third party system. Yeah, absolutely. And so um, I'm gonna kick it off with a quote from uh, one of the fathers of the Constitution, John Adams. Uh, John's uh, worried that a division of the republic into two great parties is to be dreaded as the great political evil. Wow. And so obviously now we're talking about. Democrats and Republicans, mm-hmm. right? As the two parties that we have out there, you know, these parties were formed century ago, uh, centuries ago, I should say. And in um, some cases, um, they overlapped, and different, and as well as um, had their differences, but they were able to come together um, on issues, and you know work through those in order to pass legislation, right? Mm -hmm. Um, James Madison theorized uh, when it was the 13 colonies, you know, factions could more easily unite into consistent um, governing majorities. Um, In a large republic with more factions and more distance, a permanent majority with a permanent minority was less likely. Mm. And so, you know, we're talking about factions uh, within, really within both the Republican and Democratic parties. Um, I was pretty surprised when I uh, did a quick uh, search of 
factions based on party. And for Republicans, um, I found that there were uh, eight factions. Hmm. And those factions were conservatives, social conservatives, libertarians, neoconservatives, which I definitely want to look more into, moderates, literal or uh, liberal Republicans, excuse me, uh, trumpet faction, anti-trumpet faction. And that's just on the Republican side. Wow. So we swing on over to the Democratic faction. You've got your super progressives, very progressive. Progressive New Guard, Progressive Old Guard, Moderates, and Conservative. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just by base, well, you some of the names is like you know that's kind of like you were mentioning about how there's you know liberal Republicans where it sounds kind of like an oxymoron, and now you're trying to say there are Democratic conservatives. Now, what's the other one you just said? You was it, it was you said it was liberal New Guard. So within the Democratic, uh, uh, no, so, oh, yeah, so, no, Progressive New Guard. Progressive New Guard. And Progressive Old Guard. Yeah, I mean, because some, some of these terms, you're like, these are brand new. There's a couple I've heard, but some of these are kind of brand new where they, I would love to get, you know, dive a little deeper into and figure out, like, what, what's, what do they stand for that's different from maybe the other five groups or that are in the Democratic Party or what is this particular liberal like, you know, different from the Republican within the Republican Party? Well, I, you know, I would imagine liberal Republican on on some capacity is somewhat kumbaya with a mix of less government. Yeah. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. because Democrats want larger government. Republicans want smaller government, right. more fiscal rep- responsibility. Democrats mm-hmm. want to tax and spend. Mm-hmm. Right. And so. If you look at our nation um, as a whole, I think we're more divided today um, than easily probably 30 to 40 years ago. I I would agree to that. And um, I think we had talked about this, uh, these actions, these things were that are going on as you're discussing, you know, especially in the last, say, you know, four four to five years. And where we've seen, you know, friendships and family members, people probably who have gotten together for Thanksgiving dinner and different things like that, just because they they stopped getting together just because they had two different political views. And now they're not talking and they were probably best friends. And I mentioned a story about the girl I met once and all where she was crying right in front of me. Really nice girl. And she said she lost 20 of her friends because they shared different political views and all. And I mean, for me, that's still one of the craziest stories. I, I've ever heard where so and it makes like what's going on here well I mean I think we have to look back at you know at least at, from my perspective or, and maybe your perspective Rich of when we think things started you know heading in the wrong direction and you know we were talking off show uh, before this episode about um, going all the way back to the Gulf War, mm. um, and you're you're probably saying to yourself, Tim, what you know? What do you mean by the Gulf War? Well, you know, what was the Gulf War about? The first time, the yeah. first time, and it was about oil. Mm. You know, at at the end of the day, um, 
you know, Americans were trying to preserve oil, gas prices um, were on the rise here in the U.S. And then, you and know, I think at that time um, it might be higher, but I think I remember hearing a statistic one saying I think that of the oil production were so at that time in the early 90s where so Iraq was like. 25 percent i think of global oil production well you had kuwait in there too was a huge oil producing right so we're trying to preserve our yeah i mean probably the reason why saddam hussein wanted to make a field trip to kuwait city exactly and then you know you fast forward through uh uh the when Obama became president um you know elected on change Right. We weren't going to elect Kerry into office. Right. right. And so um, I think had, that had more flip flops than a beach store. Yep. Pretty much. <laughs> and so I, I think on that front, that really. I think under the surface, things just really started to. Slowly start to boil up, the, you know, the fact that in our lifetime, we saw um, the first black president. Yep. Which I think is just on that sheer fact alone, I think, um, is incredible. Mm-hmm. But then I think you had a group of Americans who were like, what the hell did we just do? Right. Right. And a lot of the, you know, the policies that, uh, you know, Obama was trying to implement and, you know, the ramrodding of uh, the Affordable Care Act. Right. Um I think that definitely started or I think that just piled on to, you know, that simmering and now that simmering is starting to become a slow boil. Right. And then you get through, uh, nine 11. Yeah. And, um, everything that was going on, um, over in Afghanistan, Iraq and in Afghanistan, um, and why we were wasting all that money. We have problems at home. Um, what's going on? Right. right. And it just became a, a power grab. And so you had more people with differing ideas. And parties really started to just solidify themselves. You either voted Republican or you voted Democrat. If you voted Libertarian, you were throwing your vote away, which is bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and you just saw these two parties uh, really trying to solidify their power. And what's interesting is through all this, you know, we talk about power distribution. You know, the founding fathers thought they were using the most advanced political theory to prevent parties from forming by separating powers across competing institutions. Um, They thought a majority party would never form. Wow. And that's just the 13 colonies at the time, right? As we, as we started to expand Mm -hmm. and move into other parts of the country, right? At that one point, I think a lot of what they were saying you could do within a 13 colony um, geography that I don't necessarily 
think is working today in all, you know, 50 states. Mm. Right. And so to, so to think about it in those terms, you know, for voting today, everybody vote pretty much votes based on party, not by candidate. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I, I don't know why they just don't have the polls two lines, Republican, Democrat, right. Push the button for one, push the button for Republican, push the button for Democrat. Life goes on. So, and, and I agree with that. We were talking about that, you know, pre-show and, uh, for myself, I know within the black community where, so it is a, for some reason, I don't know if it's like some just unsaid rule or whatever the case may be, but there's just this, this ideology that if you are a black person, you are automatically supposed to vote Democrat. And anybody who votes opposed to that is could be considered a race traitor or whatever the case may be. And it's like, wait a minute, what happened to how an election is supposed to go? You have two candidates who get a certain amount of topics in front of them. You take the time to listen to both of them and the one that shares more towards your personal values or morals or whatever you believe about that particular topic is probably the person you're probably going to go a little bit closer to. Right. I don't understand why people do that. I once asked my best friend to where he came from a, a Republican household. His, his parents were both uh, Republican. I pretty much knew that. I was still kind of interested in politics and also, but still kind of a newbie, you know, in a, in a way, not, not knowing as much as I do now. And I remember asking my buddy and I said, hey, you know, um, what makes you vote, you know, this particular party? And he goes, oh, I don't know, man. And I, for me, it just kind of opened my eyes. I think that was the moment where I opened my eyes for myself, you know, so being on one side of the line or the other, kind of going like, wait a minute, why is it people just go ahead and say, oh, well, you have, you know, John Smith. John Smith is like, is running for such such. Well, what is he? Oh, well, he's a Republican. Okay, I vote for that. But wait, do you want to hear what he has to say? Nope. Want to hear what he has to say? He's yeah. Republican. I vote Republican. Exactly. It's just like don't. It's like I mean that that man. It's like you know that man could sit there and say it's like, hey, we will no longer show Saturday morning college football and like that because I'm going to hire somebody for the local department of communication and where to completely <laughs> cut off like that. And you're going to go like, wait, what happened? It's like, don't no. you want to hear what he's standing for? Nope, I'm Republican, I vote a Republican. Uh, nope, I'm Democrat, I vote Democrat. Yeah, just crazy. And so, I mean, the consequences of that today, you know, America has a genuine two-party system mm -hmm. with no overlap, yeah. right? You, you take, it's that traditional uh, picture. You got two circles and then the two circles overlap and there's that little middle section where everybody can kind of come together. Forget about that. The purple. Yep, forget it. The purple doesn't exist. Yeah, Okay. You're red or blue. Where yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, there is no purple. And, you know, that kind of development is what our forefathers feared most. Wow. And that's and that's good information or so because, you know, we're under this mentality where that that's because of what, how we live. We have this uh, this idea that this was part of the origin of what the founding fathers of America wanted. Right. And only to find out from their direct words saying like, guys, we were trying to vote this like a black plague. You know, so it's like, yeah, yeah, because they knew the impacts of a majority two party system, uh, the factions within those two parties. I don't 
there was no way they'd be able to predict the magnitude sure of that at the time but having the 13 colonies i think you could surmise that they were a microcosm of what could happen as the united states grows and is um you know more and more people either um immigrate to our country or having kids and stuff they start absorbing the ideals of their parents mm-hmm. and um the influence from that right you know but under when you think about it from a unified party perspective i mean you have you know under a unified government you know you have congressional uh, co-partisan have no reason to check the president wow so think about that for a second hmm. right the the house and senate they're the check right on the president to keep him from essentially establishing a dictatorship right right just becoming a whole monarchy yeah i mean and so but yet you have Dem- the Republican Party and the Democratic Party who all they want to do is try and get as much as they can in the, you know, I guess you could say relatively short time frame that they have in office, right? You know, under a divided government, congressional opposition uh, partisans have no incentive to work with the president. Their electoral uh, success is tied to his failure and unpopularity. I mean, we're seeing that right now. Right. Right. I mean, look at uh, Joe Biden's approval ratings. They're abysmal. Yeah. Right. So if you're a a Republican, you're going to run on that uh, ticket. Look at the president's approval rating. I'm not going to be a part of that. I'm not going to. Right. We need an absolute change in office. Vote Republican. Right. So, I mean, it's just crazy to, th- to think. But then, on the other hand, um, you've got congressional stonewalling. You know, in turn, leads uh, presidents to do more by executive authority, which we have seen a lot of. Yes. Right? Yeah. We're seeing executive orders all over the place, you know. And if you've got a president that is executing executive authority... That's only strengthening the power of the uh, presidency, which exact uh, exacerbates hyperpartisanship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because now if you have a president that's willing to do that, and people who are loyal to him, it, which what you're saying, what it's almost like having blood in the fish tank, um, you know, blood in the shark tank to want to take even more power would that would that be kind of yeah i mean if if washington you hear the term washington is in gridlock mm-hmm. right the house and senate they can't agree on shit right i mean they're going through it right now you know with the whole you know debt ceiling and all this other stuff you know so i mean talking about that you know before the last week i mean it's yeah they're trying to figure all that it's i mean it's it's crazy and we're and they're set up there trying to how do we compromise here how do we compromise there it's like you know it's like and then in the end, I mean, it's almost like, you know, we sit there, we watch a trade on ESPN and always ask, so of the two players where they were traded, which team came out with the best of it? Yeah, and and so it's, you got finger pointing across both sides of the aisle. Um, you've got the president looking down like, you idiots can't do anything. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to start firing off 
um, executive orders as much as possible that I can legally execute. Right. Because Congress can't get their heads out of their asses mm-hmm. and start um, pushing, you know, ideas, you know, common sense ideas that both sides agree on that, but we know as a nation need to be executed on. Right. But if I'm the president, it's like, well, you guys go off and bicker in the corner. I'm trying to push our nation forward. Right. And so this next point is, I think, even more crazy than the last is, and we're seeing a lot of this in the news, is the hyperpartisanship leads to more important decisions being made by the judiciary branch. Yeah. You know, this makes the Supreme Court, you know, appointments critical, which leads to nastier confirmation hearings. Yeah. When have we not seen a confirmation hearing that hasn't been nasty? Oh, absolutely. And, and like, you, you know, we were talking before, we're seeing more and more of this, you know, all the time. You see, and that's the thing about it. It's like here in America, it's like, you know, the judicial system's whole purpose is to interpret laws and interpret the Constitution. It is not there to make anything. And unfortunately, we have seen, we've seen probably over the last decade, the judicial system, uh, or in those who are part of it, you know, in, in us, in our case here in the United States, where it's our Supreme Court justices, you know, have overstepped in those. I remember mm-hmm. when they were talking about the case and all, where they say, you know, uh, about the judgment of, uh, of, I think it was like sodomy or something like that. And I know that sounds gross, guys, but I do remember this, you know, when I was in college and they said it's like that basically, you know, the judicial system was going to make a law for this. And I remember uh, my mom actually telling me about this story uh, that she had just saw in the new, the local news. Uh, they were talking about the, the national news. You know, and I went and I remember telling her, I was like, Mom, the judicial system, Supreme Court's judges are only to interpret the laws, to explain the Constitution. When do they have, and, and that's why I bring the story up, it's the first time I've ever heard the judicial system actually saying, hey, we're going we're gonna to make this law. And I was like, that's not your job. Right. You know, so. So, but when, when I uh, mention uh, judicial appointments and how nasty they've been, what's the first one that comes to your mind? Um, I mean, there's several of them. I mean, I know as of recent, we've had probably the last three, four years and we had the whole situation with Kavanaugh. Yep. We've had the situation with... Uh, uh, Clarence Thomas, what was that like? Late the the Anita, 90s? the yeah. the one that instantly comes to mind that's so famous that always comes up is the Anita Hill Clarence Thomas, right in the late eighties, early nineties, yeah, or something. Confirmation like that. of you know yeah. just how nasty that was, and then you know you mentioned Kavanaugh again. The, the you know that was a pretty contentious you know confirmation hearing. I mean, ultimately. Uh, Clarence Thomas, you know, is a Supreme Court judge now, and sa- same with Brett Kavanaugh. But uh, you see the contention that is taking place um, within these hearings, but then you also see the reliance on the judicial system. I mean, they just overturned Roe versus Wade. Yeah. Right. I mean, you have the Supreme Court essentially telling 
what women can and cannot do with their bodies. Well, here's the thing, Tim. Because like, I, I understand the word that that is something that's being said. I might, I actually probably have to disagree with you is also because, you know, there's part of it as well where people in that particular case and also that was not played a lot into it also, but they also said where that they basically passed that particular topic down to the states themselves. And basically said a word. So I guess where I got confused on that is like, were you expecting them to make a law? Not you, Tim, but just say in general, it's like, were people expecting them to make it the judicial system, make it a law? Or did they just sat there and said, because we don't know, or matter of fact, it's not our job to do this. And also, why don't we allow each individual state make the decision on what is? Because here's the question is like in, in the case like like for marijuana. I mean, there are certain states like us and also that, you know, where it's like it's a little it's marijuana's looked at a little differently here, you know, so in our state as opposed to maybe Colorado or something like that. But it was left to each individual state and the constituents of that state were able to vote on that. So I guess the question is, despite it being Roe versus Wade, that's really not the topic. It could have been anything. But how is that any different? Do you see where we're going with that? Um, uh, Kind of. But I think the bigger point uh, here is. Roe v. The overturning of Roe v. Wade, um, on its merit alone, spawned states making decisions on what women could or could not do with their bodies. Right, I understand. Right. If the court would have just left the standing in place, mm-hmm. this this would be a moot point. Okay. Right. I mean that that's, but that's where I'm going. In other words, just rent it. What's on the law, and be able to say, okay, this is what it's. You know, this is it. This is what it says. That's the end of it. Is what yeah, okay. and, and so okay. and, and that and and that is it on that. But you had a group of, all right, just the Christians. This thought that it was just aborting a fetus at at any stage was just absolutely horrible. All right, that's the group that had been pushing and pushing and pushing, and it always. Is the court going to overturn Roe v. Wade? Are they going to uphold it? Right. But it's again, it's turning to the judiciary system for that. Right. And we're seeing more and more uh, reliance on the judiciary system. Mm-hmm. Um, I would agree. Yes. For, I mean, really for making policy. I mean, how many times has the Affordable Care Act been challenged? Mm-hmm. And taken to the Supreme Court. Parts of it been have been upheld. Other parts of it um, have haven't been. The Second Amendment. Yeah. Right. Um, that is, you know, let, let's just leave you know the, the gun folk out of it. Just the amend the sec the Second Amendment to the Constitution itself. Right. Constantly under attack, and it's looking to the courts to make the essentially ultimate decision. And I would almost say it policy. Yeah. Right. So you have all of this. And so, you know, what does that mean for all of us? Well, you've got a culture, um, that believes there should be more parties. And I, I would throw myself into that group that believes, um, we need, more parties that more closely align 
to our beliefs. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I, the, the two party system fits all. It, I don't, it doesn't work anymore because America is so, de- so divisive, right? Then you've got your uh, traditional old school folks, right? Our parents, your parents' parents, right? That are just staunch Republican, staunch Democrat. I am, you know, anything other than that is just unacceptable, right? And then you've got those groups who don't feel their vote matters. Yeah. Right? And how many times have we uh, seen that? Um, or heard about it as we got close to election day and, you know, get right. Is it get the vote out, right? Get people, get out, get them to the polls. But if you've got people that feel disenfranchised, it says, uh, you know, I don't feel my vote is going to do anything. Um, and I, I'll be honest, I was guilty of that. I felt pretty disenfranchised uh, by it. I've since changed and I absolutely uh, go vote. And I, you know, I definitely make sure that, uh, my voice is heard, but I don't punch, um, the one button Republican or one button Democrat Mm -hmm. for sure. Um, so I, you know, I try to pay more attention to the candidates, but in today's, uh, political climate, that's just not possible. Right. Right, and and that's and, and as much as it seems like that, it's it's not possible. Where so that if anything is possible, it's it's possibly uh, just a disturbing thing. Where so that you know people won't take the time, you know, to listen. I mean, even in the last election, I mean, I heard so many people where it's like you know, well, I'm going to vote for such and such like that. Okay, have you been watching any of the primaries or? Or anything like that. And they were like, well, no, I ever watched it. There's too many people. And I was like, that. I'm like, well, wait a minute. Before you step in that box, don't you want to take the time to listen to everyone and see who matches up with exactly how, you know, you feel? And that's, you know, where it's like, it's weird. It's just, it, I just don't understand why people don't want to be able to have those rights where, you know, there's other places in the, in the world where they sat and they say, you know what? And, you know, they don't have democracy like we have. They'll sit there and say, you know, you know, vote this box or you go in that box. Right. Exactly. So so it's like, yeah. So the amount of freedom that we have uh, of expression and all those different things is a great thing where why many people are going in, but going back to the topic at hand, when it comes to the third party, you know, I was just actually looking, uh, I was looking up at the Gallup poll and even dating back to almost two years ago, it showed that 62% of people who were surveyed in the Gallup poll do believe where there should be a third party option. So in other words, there's people out there, you know, I like a little bit of this, maybe that, and also, but you know, this third party, I should be able to have that award so that people at no point, like you're, like you were saying before, should feel that, okay, if I don't vote Democrat or Republican, and I decide to go Libertarian, whatever the case may be, that I'm wasting my vote. No, you're using your God-given right to be able to have a say in your country. And for somebody to say, it's like, you know, oh, well, third party is just a waste of time like that. No, it's not. You yeah, it's not even people. close. Yeah. I mean, you think, I mean, think about it. even the parties, even the party, the current majority parties right now, you know, they started really, really small. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's like, yeah, they weren't this big juggernaut of a political system. And also when they first started off. So it takes people, you know, to be able to say, hey, if you get enough people to give you an example you had list, uh, used before, look at the Tea Party. Tea Party just kind of popped out of nowhere. Yeah, but then it. Well, true. Popped I, out I of mean, relevance. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it eventually crashed and burned in flames. And right. Also, 
But the point being is that, you know... Agreed. It, Your point is that they, it just showed up and yeah. they were... Yeah, yeah. And, and all of a sudden, it got a really good following and all. So the question is that who's to say whether that, that that might not happen again with there being somebody being that much about a third party? It takes one person. And, and on Unworked Nation, we're not trying to say anything like we're for this, that, and the other. You know, we're not for any of the parties here on Unworked Show, but it's just we're just want to get people to think this. Like, there's nothing wrong with that idea that, you know, hey, if there's somebody else that has a platform that might be different from what we're looking at, then, I mean, th there's nothing wrong with that. It takes just one person. And, uh, you know, and I mentioned decisive, uh, divisiveness earlier in our country. I think for me right now, I would vote for somebody that could actually unify the country. I voted for Pedro. <laughs> Sorry, I yeah, I voted for Pedro. <laughs> I mean, because you look at leadership today and the inmates are running the asylum. Yeah. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. um, we can't collectively come together to screw in a light bulb. <laughs> in other words, we got wing nuts on both sides of the aisle. <laughs> it's like, you know. Yeah. And it's just like... And for those of us who actually don't mind unwrapping a brain cell, we start to go like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. I, put it's, you in there? <laughs> like, right? I mean, but that's uh, that's what it is. And you see it all over the media outlets. Yeah. They, you know, their their own are like, man, we have never seen a country this divided in, in how long? I mean, it is. I, I don't care what news network you, you happen to watch on a regular basis. There is content everywhere from some congressman, congresswoman, somebody like that, where it comes up that makes everybody go, what did they just get done saying? And are you really trying to help this country? Or do you really have ideas to push America forward? It's what's going on here? Yeah, I, I agree. And so, you know, people are going to ask, well, Tim or Rich, so how do we fix it? Um, so first off, we got to be a risk realistic there's no quick fix no right can't microwave this stuff now believe me i wish we could nuke it so bad Ding. yep two minutes cooked done in the trash onto the next <laughs> um just from my own personal view my own perspective on this there has to be term limits i agree um number one number two after your term is up, you cannot go work for any think tank, lobbyist, mm. anything remotely um, associated with any type of PAC, like I said, lobbyist, think tank, you name it. Um, you're done. Your time in Washington is done. You go off to the private sector, work for some company, whatever your original skill set was or something. Or maybe you don't have a skill set and you're just a no-talent ass clown, which <laughs> is, uh, I would say, most of Washington right now. Um, but you're done. Right. Right. Um, you can't be the inside scoop into helping a lobbyist say, like, well, when I was in there, it's like, maybe you should write this, this, and this way. Yeah, you're, you had your chance to influence policy Either you were a success or you failed. Time to move on. Yep. Right. Uh, this whole notion of let's drain the swamp, that's horseshit. Um, so there has to be term limits. You can't be working for a lobby. And 
we have to have, uh, and we have to be united. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, with that, um, I, I want to close with something uh, George Washington said um, in his uh, 1796 farewell address. Okay. He said, however, political parties may now and then answer um, popular ends, they are likely in the course of time and things to become potent engines by which cunning, ambitious, and unprincipled men will be enabled to subvert the power of the people and to usurp for themselves the reins of government, destroying afterwards the very engines which have lifted them to unjust dominion. Wow. I mean, to have the first president of the United States coming out there, I mean, that is scary. And everything that we just got done talking about and kind of asking, you know, Mr. President, did everything you just said in that farewell speech come to fruition? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So we're going to we're going to cut it right there. Unwoke Nation. Thank you so much for tuning in again. Uh, again, we're um, you can reach us at feedback at unwoke the show dot com. That's feedback at unwokethe Rich, as always, another great show, man. Look forward awesome. to talking to you next week. Thanks, guys. All right, guys. Have a great week.